Hey guys, so uh, we're back. This is part two of the men's health panel of part two. <laughs> part two, which was uh, which we did in, in July, turned out to be a two hour long event. So I broke it down into two parts. One part I played last week and this is the second part and I hope you guys enjoy this. We are really honing in on depression in men. Please join us on the couch with my panelists. We get started right away with what does depression look like in a man? What does depression look like in a man? Yeah, man. it doesn't have a look. Doesn't yeah, have a look. I like that. Yeah, no, that's 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 a that's a good point. I was gonna say um, kind of like the opposite, but the same. Like it, it has so many different looks. I mean, you can like look at any one of these guys up here, and they can be depressed. You wouldn't even know it. You know, I think. When it comes to men, we have a few emotions that we feel very comfortable showing, and that's happiness, right? Actually, I'll probably take that back because I see some, like, strong brothers that don't even smile, right? But, well, you were speaking about that, right? But you have things like anger, right? It's okay for us to show confidence, right? Um, man, and, and I almost want to say that's where it stops, to be honest. So, um, yeah, man, it's... Uh, yeah, and, and, and right now I'm, I'm even blanking on the, oh, how does it look? So it can look like a many different ways. Uh, sometimes it looks like a man overworking, right, trying to avoid everything that's in their life. So, yeah, I'll just keep it at that. I think for black men, I think we've come, become masters at masking what depression looks like. I think we just go along with our normal day and realize that there's not too many people that care to what we, what we think or feel like. And we just go along with it. I think a lot of times we go home to our relationships and, and, and we want to emote to our partner, but society tells us that we can't do that. Our homeboys say, man, don't do that. Don't, whatever you do, don't tell your girl your business, boy. <laughs> you know, that, 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 these, are the common, these are the common things that we have ingrained in our heads that prevent us from being vulnerable, pre- from, from prevent us from even like making sense of like what the hell just happened at work? And I got to come home and deal with a struggle and, and, and I can't even really emote. It speaks to why the uh, suicide rate is so high. It speaks to why men have so many mental health issues and don't have outlets to, to emote or talk or a, a proper reference point to make sense of the world. And I think this, that, that's why this conversation is so important because, again, I, I remember when I was like a million years ago when I was young, right, how how do I make sense of manhood? Like, what do I do? How do I, how am I supposed to act, right? And I didn't have the reference point of like internet or social media, so I had to I had to go and search mentors out. You know, I had to go and search older men to tell me, oh, this is how you're supposed to act, and this is what you're supposed to do in a relationship, and this is how you're supposed to respect yourself, and this is how you're supposed to respect your com- community. So now when men tell me, or young men get in my sessions and tell me, like, yo, where do I start? I tell them, start on your square and, and implement as many pillars as you can, and you bring those forth in your life, and you will never go wrong. Just really Dex, quickly, I Dex. said this before. Unfortunately, we suffer in silence. I would say if you have a buddy and they start to withdraw from engagement, they don't want to go out anymore. If they go out, they're in a corner. They just don't seem interested in activities that usually brought fun. 
that probably is the best way to see. When people get very disappointed in the world, they tend to withdraw from it. And I would say that's probably the best way to know someone is depressed. There is even something called agitated depression. You know, most people think you'd be calm and quiet and withdrawn and, you know, always sleeping. But uh, I really think it is a disengagement from the outer world where you go inside and start ruminating with a negative narrative inside your head that you can't shut off. It's a tape that keeps playing a negative message and you have not yet stopped that tape and said you are not true. You're just an opinion. So the question is, how do we begin to deal with this? And you mentioned suicide. And Dane, in your book you mentioned suicide thoughts in the past. Mm -hmm. How were you able to um, get past that? So, you know, interestingly, you know, I, I never had an issue with myself. I had an issue with things around me. So Titus talks about war, you know, and um, we talked about war being all around us, right? I was always dissatisfied with life and knowing that, you know, I, I grew up in a kind of tough community as well. I, I have two Jamaican parents as well, right? And, um, you know, I always looked at things like, this is not fair. This is happening to me, right? So... I never had this issue where I wanted to uh, really, really harm myself. I wanted everything around me to stop, to stop messing with me. And I think, you know, as a prosecutor, right, you, you probably see a whole bunch of people who are thinking this world is, is effing with me, right? And they're, they, they get really angry and they don't know how to, how to make it stop. And I think part of that thought process is, why don't I just make it stop for myself? Because I can't control the entire world, right? I can't control that bully. I can't control, you know, the police who are harassing me. I had issues growing up with the police harassing me, for instance. You know, I, I couldn't stop that. There was nothing I could do about that, right? So... I went into myself for the solution. I've always been a practical thinker and, and realized that, you know, that's, that's not going to stop the rest of the world from doing what it does. And I'm going to be the one who's harmed for it. And, I, you know, I always thought that I have plenty of time to be dead. So I just... <laughs> Titus, Titus wanted to jump in. With the exception of chemical imbalances, right, whether it's dietary or whatever else, depression and anxiety is predicated on perspective, your perspective of life. What I have noticed, because I've lived in two different worlds, is that there is this perception of the average, ordinary American that life is supposed to be easy, that you're supposed to have these things. You're supposed to have an easy ride. You, these things are not supposed to happen. You're not supposed to lose people. people. These things are your perception that has set you up for these depressing things, this anxiousness when things aren't going the way it is. And the truth is that life for most people outside 
of this easy world, right, is anything but easy. You will lose people. You, things will not go your way. And when things don't go your way, the only difference between you and them is that I didn't expect it to be that way. And so I'm not disappointed by that. Okay? I will, I will dust off. Right? I went from being a rich kid to not having enough money to, to afford my own jeans for five years. Right? I used to wear hand-me-down clothes. Right? Most people, that would break them. But I'd have been prepared to know that my dad used to say, money's fickle. Money's fickle. It comes and goes, son. Your character is what matters. Make sure that you always maintain your character. Treat the people who don't have money and who don't have the things you have just as well as you treat the people because you could be easily one of them. And when I became one of them, right, it was like, oh, okay, well, I, I guess I just don't have some of those things right now. But I had the work ethic to go out and do it. And I pushed on. So I think a, a lot of this has to do with our perception of life. And then having people around us, once again, those people around us to bounce things off, to let us know that, yes, you may be going through a hard time. Yes, you may have lost someone. Yes, you may be disappointed. Yes, you may have been betrayed. But you know what? Life is not picking on you. It was just your turn. Everybody goes through this. And you can recover. So I'm going to share something personal. Give me a while if it takes. Uh, no, 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 it's not going to take If it's hard for me. So I struggle, I've, I struggle with depression at times. Okay. Um, and that's what I was trying to say. Especially because my job, I'm a neurologist. In the hospital, every day, every day, I watch people die. One of the hardest ones I had to deal with was an 18-year-old kid. The, th- the thing what I, and then I had to talk to my entire team because each one of them struggled, with it, right? Because that exact day, the father thanked us that we were fixing him. And in that same day, he dies. And it's always hard because you think people don't realize what doctors go through. And you sit back and you watch every second of everything you did. But what I tell my residents is human beings emotionally are like a cup. And over time, things fill up. And what you have to do to do what we do is you have to find that thing that helps you empty your cup. And whatever that is, you have to do it and be selfish about doing it. So for each of them, I helped them figure out what they needed to do. Uh, And that's the thing, right? And some debts hit you harder than others. And I'm not, it's not easy. And we all have our ups and downs. So when I see people in the hospital struggling with it, when I see my brothers or I see my residents, all I do is I let them know that we all go through this. And I literally probably have living people's dream. I have everything people but what, uh, what we do sometimes is we ruminate on our mistakes, right? You could do everything perfect. Everybody thinks I'm this great doctor. I, I'm the vice chair of my department. I'm the head of my division. But all I see is my mistakes at times. And it's that strive for perfection that probably took me where it is, where I am. But that's what makes life hard sometimes. But what I do is I find what brings me peace. Like I came home to 
my family's here. I exercise. I play basketball. I like learning new sports. I find what empties my cup, and I try to be selfish about doing it as much time as I need to. And that's the thing where I give you. I try to give people advice, and I will give you that advice. Find what it is for you, and when you need it, or even when you don't, just do it. Amen. Yeah. Um, for for me, it's going out in my garden and pulling weeds or growing some collard greens. You know, um, and sometimes I say, as I said, F it. I ain't going to work today, and I'm going to go. I'm gonna go. <laughs> but that's emptying the cup. And I'm serious. I'm, I'm not going to work today, and I'm going to go um, pull weeds, and I'm going to plant some greens or, or whatever. But, you know, the one thing, and I'm going to let you go, Doc. And Doc, how much time we got before we go to answers, questions? Uh, we got about 10 minutes. Okay. So the other thing about being, I don't know whether you say successful or productive, successful people know how to deal with the bullshit. Because we all got to deal with bullshit every day. And can I, we got, we got any kids in here? It's too late for that now. I'm, I'm, I'm about ready to keep it real. No, I'm, they, see, they see a lot worse on social media. Through the algorithm. We're on social media. Well, you know. I'm sorry, but motherfuckers fuck with us every day. There we go. I love it. And we're doing the best that we can be to help society, help, commu- help the community, help our families. But then you got some... Fuck boy, <laughs> coming at you because you, or they want to be like you, and that's what a lot of problem, a lot of times. So, to be successful, to be the best that you can be, you got to deal with the bullshit, and not let the world. Sometimes you got to let the world know you're dealing with the bullshit, and you let them know that it's bullshit. Sometimes you got to let them know. But sometimes you just like smile at them. Yeah, I see your bullshit. But I'm bigger than that. So what was you going to say, Doc? Okay, so just the caveat of what you were saying, Doc. Um, so, so I empathize with you and, and the death of your patient, right? Um, and, and just to go along with the depression, right? Uh, and I felt like this is an opportunity for me to give a lesson, right? So depression and anxiety are like best friends, Right? Depression lives on one side of the street, and anxiety lives on the other side of the street. Now, if we think too far in the past, the woulda, shoulda, coulda, I shoulda did this, that's where depression lives at. If I think too far in the future, oh my gosh, this gonna happen, oh my gosh, I shoulda do this, oh my god, I gotta do this, I gotta do that, that's where anxiety lives at. How, where peace is at is right in the middle of the block. Present, being present. Just being present right in the moment, not thinking too far ahead or too far in the, in, in the past, but being in the present moment. That's where you find peace. But then also to caveat off you again, the idea that you put in your head about being perfect, perfection, that's an unattainable task, brother. That you got to let go. Because there's no such thing as perfection. And if we searching and chasing that, we're going to die. The, the key is to appreciate who you are and where you're at on your journey. That's the key. Amen. Amen.
Can I, can I, can I, I want to, brother. Go ahead. Thank you, Doc. I, thank you for sharing that because um, when you said that, I was like, damn, there's someone here that <laughs> understands what I go through, right? Depression, anxiety. I'm one call away. I can get a call from any police agency about some murder that happened, some massacre that may have happened in this county, um, and you deal with those, pressure, those pressures. I meet with mothers of slain children, as, you know, sons. Uh, I have to deliver bad news because we can't prosecute a case because of my core as a black man. I want to pursue it, but these flawed laws that we have on the books, I can't pursue it. Um, the bodies, the endless bodies, because... There's a lack of appreciation for human life, not just black life, but human life, right? Um, the person in front of you. And I deal with those every day, and I, and I feel you, and I feel your pain, right? Because it's easy for you to say, I failed, right? And I think that point is important is that it, you didn't fail, right? That's life, right? It's you being present in the moment and understanding the situation and figuring out how can I be present in that moment. And I heard some examples there where you were present in the moment because you were giving aid and you were giving guidance to some of the residents, some of the other doctors in that unit. And so I think to bring it full circle with some of the things we've discussed here, and thank God in my 36 years of life, I've just been blessed to have so many people to give me guidance and understand some of these things where I have the friends, I have the OGs in my profession that have been in higher places than I've been, right, where I can call and say, hey, how do you deal with this particular situation? I have people that I can talk to when I may feel that depression or anxiety come on where I can say, hey, help me process this. What am I going through right now in order to be present in that moment, right? And so we're all, it's going to come. Depression will come. That cloud will hang over. Anxiety will be there, but it's understanding we as black men, what I think traditionally is, we haven't understood that there are tools at our disposal that we can use, but we haven't been able to utilize it. And hopefully forums like this, opportunities like this, where we can tell the younger brothers out there, all of us on here as well, you know, there's some tools, there's some things, there's some exercises, there's some steps that you can take when those clouds arrive because we're not in a world where everything's going to be perfect, right? There's going to be adversity, but are you disciplined enough and are you man enough are you man enough to take the necessary steps to get access to those tools to help you through those dark times? And, th and that's the key. And that's the key. And my brother, thank you for bringing that here because that, you're going to help somebody here and you're helping me because I'm figuring out too. No, hold on. Over here. Go ahead. And right. We're going to wrap this up because I, I see your hand over there and then we're going to go to a few questions. So go ahead. Um, Hold on, no, Titus, we got a weird. Oh, yeah, go back. Cool, cool, cool. I'll try to make this quick. Make it quick. So, yeah, I got you. So, <laughs> the framework that I use is called acceptance and commitment therapy. And if I ever, let's say, like, I didn't know you and I ran into you, one thing that I'll push is to be able to identify the difference between the experiencer versus the experience, okay? What do I mean by that? So the experience that happened was a death on the table, or as Harold said, you could say it was a failure. You are the person that is seeing this failure. You are not that failure. It goes all the way back to this word about identity, because based on how we see ourselves, that's going to then determine our processes and our actions, and then it's going to determine the outcome. So a lot of, a lot of the discussions today was about you know, these thoughts, these feelings, but there's something even higher than that, and it's your higher sense of self. When 
someone says in my office that they are depressed, one of the first things I tell them to pull out is their, is their driver's license. And I ask them to read me the name one, and they say, John Doe. And the reason why I tell them that to do that is because I don't want them to lose themselves within this depression. Because when someone says, and I want you guys to think about this, when someone says, I am depressed, I tend to ask them, well, where did Jonathan go? Right? Because right now I'm speaking to Jonathan. I'm not speaking to depression. So it's all about how you see it. So to, to go off what you said and some of the things that, that's been said, the key with overcoming depression is one, knowing that being depressed is not the issue. The issue is how you hold it. It's how you, it's how you hold it. Can you hold it here? Right? That's what compassion, acceptance looks like. That's why when someone dies, right, you have some people that are able to get through it, and then you have some that try to cope with it with drinking. It's like, nah, I got to get rid of this feeling. So now you're grieving and you have a drug problem, right, or a drinking problem. So I'll just leave it at that. The only thing I, I'll, oh, go ahead. I, I want to say that um, something that Titus said earlier, um, which makes so much sense, is that a sense of community is really, really important. And not only just having a community, but having the right community. A lot of times people get caught up in a feedback loop of bad ideas, Right, So they choose a community or a, a community is around them and those people already have bad ideas. Those people are, you know, they're smoking, they're, they're committing crimes, they're, they're doing all kinds of things. And as a young person, it's difficult to identify um, who those people in your community are that you should be, uh, that you should form a community with. Right, and, and I think that's so important for us to take what we have to young people to offer them an option because otherwise you, you'll find yourself, you're depressed and you're sitting outside and you're smoking with your friends or, or you, you have a lot of men, for instance, who are really angry at women right now. You have the manosphere and all of that other nonsense, right? And, and those are just feedback loops. We'll talk about it afterwards. <laughs> I, got, I, I got you. Don't worry. It's all social media. I got you. <laughs> I'm on Instagram one. all day. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I am too, but I ain't heard of management. Go ahead. Yeah, so, but, it's, but it's important that we, we form positive communities. Um, you know, I think we all know the phrase, if you look at, you know, um, three of your friends and they're all losers – you're guaranteed to be the fourth, right? We, we all... So. All right, Titus. The only thing I was going to say, and, and just to kind of put things in perspective with a lot of the gentlemen are saying, it's always good when you are depressed and you can, like you say, empty your cup. But I know reality in life is sometimes you don't get a chance to empty your cup because things keep moving. Then what do you do? When you're in a situation where people are looking up to you and you can't take a time out, that is when you have to learn how to deal with those things from within. That is when you have to have that strong sense of self. That is when you have to look at yourself and say, I was well-intended when I tried to treat this child. I did everything I could. And you know what? It wasn't successful. So if there was a mistake that was made, you look within, you own up to it, right? And you understand that sometimes we don't get a chance to push the pause button. Because that is the worst-case scenario. Best-case scenario, yeah, we can, we can use all the tools, but sometimes that tool is centering oneself. Well, most of the time, we don't have the opportunity to push the pause button. Yeah. There you go. And that's what I was saying about us as, obviously, we up here, we have that in us 
that we are able to deal with the, as I said, bullshit. the bullshit <laughs> and, and, and keep it moving and be successful and make, and make things happen. In spite of. In spite of. So we're going to go to the audience um, with questions. I know this gentleman, he just threw up his hand. Now he's on his phone. Um, he, he had questions. Uh, wh what is your question? If I make a quick comment. As a comment. Question. Okay. okay. So every single one of us, everything on this planet, everything in the universe is God incarnate. God is ex being expressed as us. We are taught through all the religions that there's a heaven and a hell. And if you do bad, you're going to go to hell. If you do good, you're going to go to heaven, which creates fear. The fruit of fear is to create more fear. Coming Not all religions say that, but go well, ahead. You understand the basic principle, the, yeah. the, the big five, all that kind of stuff, right? We automatically think that is a, that is a war going on, and this is a premise. Our natural state is peace, not war. When a war breaks out in a country, 100,000 people in the country, 10,000 people are fighting, 90,000 people are running for cover, the majority are running for cover. They want peace. Everyone wants to hug up. So war is, is a concocted thing of fear. One of the most important things we can do is to overcome fear. How? We go into ourselves. We make our connection with the all, right? With the source of all things. The source of all things is the I am. Anything you put after I am, it can be because it's limitless. So the original I am, the I am forever and ever and ever, is the creation. Whatever you say after I am, it is true. Whatever you believe is true. Okay? Man and woman are the opposite poles. Negative, positive. Positive, negative. They need to create together. There's no better or worse. If you have a battery, the positive is not stronger than the negative. This whole idea that a woman can't, a man can't, we've been fed that. We already know it takes a woman to support a man, a man to support a woman. Together you create, not just children. Children might be walking on their feet, but children are a business, an idea, a manifestation. The man and the woman must be together to create harmony. Without the harmony, you have war, distress, depression, anxiety, all that kind of stuff, okay? Okay. We are evolving as a species, as a race, as a planet. So go inside. That is your ultimate guidance. You have a friend, but your friend even is going to guide you inside. You talk and everything, but inside. Love is eternal. It's the answer. Love yourself first. There's no such thing as an enemy if you have peace within. There's no such thing. We are, as black men, we are taught, black people are taught, and our history has shown us all this kind of stuff. But what if, on a cosmic level, as we were so highly achieved, we were, we were the, ah, like you, your parents were very, very successful. I need you and to wrap it up. Yes, wrap it up right now. And at some point, they realized something could happen. What if, as black people, Egypt, Sudan, high civilization, the 12, the 12 original tribes of Atlantis. What if we realize we are so powerful, but some shit could go wrong. We need to subject ourselves to hardship. What if we chose this journey so that we could show love coming out? Okay. Darkness brings out the light. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Thank you, thank you. We had a question over here. Was that a... Yeah, um... I was raised by a, uh, a military soldier and a, and a mother who stayed at home. And um, my father was very much like what this brother talked about. Uh, my father raised us. He did two tours in Nam and one in Korea. He raised us by what was called the do rule. Do what you're supposed to do. Do it right the first time and do it before I ask you to. 
<laughs> and there was no in between with that. Uh, we had an ultimate responsibility every day. And I will tell you that as a man, that our ultimate responsibility are to be the ones who take care of the village. I think that when we get it screwed up is when we become afraid of our children. These kids are walking around with their pants down because none of us are brave enough to tell them not to. Shame on us for doing that. Shame on us for thinking that we ought to have so much goddamn emotion that we are scared to talk to our children. I had a young brother walk up to me some time ago and say, what up, OG? I said, all this grandma head doesn't tell you that you ought to say to me, good afternoon, sir, how are you? And my point was, I said, look at me, son, when I'm talking to you. And my daughter said, daddy, don't talk to him like that. You know, I said, I said, whoa, I'm not afraid of my people. And I made him shake my hand and look at me in the eye and apologize. And then we had a conversation. And then I took him home. And 30 years later, he's like my adopted son now. His name is Myrick Mitchell. I tell you, I challenge you as black men to stop trying to be so goddamn emotional that we forget that we need to raise our children that are in this world that have been raised by women who cannot do it by themselves because we have allowed for these young black men, some of them are very good friends of y'all, to say, man, I need a divorce lawyer. I need to do so-and-so. I need child custody. I tell them, how dare you for not taking care of your child, man? I don't want to hear this. And my point is, we become too sensitive because we're in touch with our feelings and we're forgetting that we're losing our children. And by the way, for the record, we just finished a longitudinal study that was done by the University of Miami, paid a lot of money for, that these police officers are arresting our kids at nine times the average of everybody else. Say what you want to, but I can tell you the numbers don't lie. While the numbers of arrests are going down for black children are going up, and these school resource officers are responsible for it. We found out one very thing, and that is that there's something in the school system that's called warn and dismiss. They take these white children home, they send them to in-school suspension, and they send my children to adult jails. That is a fact. It is a known number. I have the information. And what we're trying to do is you have to understand, we have got to build a community that says no more. Stop hunting my children. Because black men are being shot and killed, and they've gotten to the point that we're beginning to reprogram ourselves, and we're doing it ourselves. So I'm just telling you, I don't care what anybody says. We're arresting our children at a higher rate than everybody else, and my kids are now becoming weaponized because they are dealing with the people that are in front of them trying to survive. They become tough, and then we become scared. And everybody is scared of these babies. Thank you, Bill. We have, I think, two more hands. This young man over here and this gentleman over here. All right, good afternoon, everybody. Good afternoon. Um, so I think Titus said something earlier about um, kind of like, yeah. All right, I, I think Titus said something earlier about not being able to put a pause on things, right? So my question to you is, what advice would you have for like a high-functioning depression or someone that, that deals with high-functioning depression that, that's on survival mode on a regular basis? Like how do you kind of like take a step back and just view how to like modify things? Yeah, well, first of all, when we start to uh, def- define ourselves as a high-functioning person and all those things like that, take all those words away from that. Just start off with the basics. What's going on with you? What is it that's bothering you, right? And then look within yourself once again and center yourself. Who are you? Are you doing the best you can? Are you being the best you can? Are you focusing on things that you can actually affect? Or are you worrying about things, like he said, in the past that are long gone and have let you go, and you're spending a lot of energy anticipating things in the future? Because if you put more time into your today, 
right? Learn the lessons from your past. Tomorrow will take care of itself, all right? But what you cannot do is you cannot continue to try to mask it and, 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 and outwork your depression and outwork your situation. You have to face it, right? And you have to center yourself and say, where am I? Who am I? How did I get here? What mistakes did I make? Were there mistakes? Is this my fault? And then from there, you deal with it from today moving forward. That's what I do. Now, this is a very important question because a lot of people in the audience probably have the same question. There are a lot of high-functioning people in society, a lot of high-functioning folks who suffer from anxiety and depression. So I want one of the mental health experts to answer next, Herman or Philip. Okay, so Herman. All right, cool, cool, cool. So, um, my brother, I would ask you to Google um, the Eisenhower time matrix, okay? And anybody can Google that, click on images, save that. So basically what I see is a lot of people are not planning their day. They don't have any systems. They don't have any organization. So as a result, they're always, like, in crisis mode. But I swear to you, if you found a system before you started your day, even something that I do every day, even on the weekends, is I plan my day. It's like, what are the tasks that I need to set, set aside to accomplish, like, all that stuff? And what it does is it gives me the system and the time to then go back and invest in me so that I can now be the best version of myself for my clients and everybody else. Now, when I see people with high-functioning depression, I always think, well, what I believe to be true is that they're avoiding something. That's why they're functioning so much, right? So, so, they stay, so one yeah. second, Coach. Let me just jump in and yep. say there's no such thing as high-functioning depression. When I said high-functioning, mm-hmm. I meant most of us are high-functioning. We have jobs. We take, our, take care of families. We go to work every day. We're all high-functioning. Depression is depression. Don't buy into that high-functioning depression. If you're depressed, you're depressed. Because calling it high-functioning depression is what stands in the way of someone getting help that they need. That's what happened to the former Miss USA or uh, was she oh, Miss yeah. USA yeah, yeah, yeah. who jumped off the building. Her mother said she had high-functioning depression. She was depressed. Go ahead. Nah, man, that's, that's, a, tra- that's that- a mic drop, drop right there. Um, nah, I, I agree with everything you said. Like, stop avoiding it. It's depression. Go find help. Go ahead, Sherman, or Herman. Thank you. Um, so I kind of have a different take on, on, like, life doesn't stop and you just got to suck it up and keep moving. I think that's the problem with today. I think it's important for us. If you're feeling depressed and you need to take a pause, I think it's it's. Every, you have every right in your life to take a pause and take a breath and process where you're at so you can move forward. It, 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 it's, it's crazy to me how we could be depressed and, and we see everything that's happening today. And we, bro, we walk outside. We go walk outside this YMCA today and pass 20 people. And out of those 20 people, maybe 10 of them depressed. And we're going to tell them to suck it up and keep moving. That's why you got people acting crazy on the outside, shooting up places and, and just breaking off because you cut them tell off. Tell them, tell him what to do. How this can some basic stuff to manage? Take it. a break. Take a breath. Allow yourself the space to process. Find something that gives you enjoyment. Running, working out, eating right, self-care. Self-care is one of the biggest things that us black men uh, fail to do. 
When I'm talking about self-care, I'm talking about everything, haircut, uh, even simple stuff like taking a bath on a regular, feeding yourself on a regular. It sounds silly. Going but those for a are massage. The, it's not just for women. Get a massage. Let someone touch your body. Rub your skin. Those are, those are self-care t- tips that for everybody, but we neglect as black men, and, and they're, they're equally for us, too. And this will be real quick. Even if you, when I go from one patient room, I had a time where I had to tell one mother her son was brain dead, and I had another mother next door that I had to say her son was going to make it. I took a minute with my team because that mother was crying, and we were all in that room. I took a minute. I joked with them a little bit and made a transition. So it's not just pushing through, let's just go to the next room. Even if it's a minute here or there, you take that minute to compart yourself and then keep moving. We're, we're all allowed that space. And we forget that we, 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 we have that permission to, to just be. We don't have to move forward because life and, and the world has moved. We allow that space to take a breath before we jump back in the water. And prevention means having a good doctor, a good accountant, a good lawyer, and a good therapist. And so th- enlist a therapist even when you're not in crisis to all of you just to have someone that you connect with and you see on a regular basis to prevent you from having a crisis. But you got to do the basics too. You need to eat healthy. You got to drink water. You got to eat your veggies. You got to eat the the greens. You have to eat your fruit. You have to get up in the morning and have a schedule, have a routine. You need prayer in your life. You need meditation. You need to walk. You need to exercise. So all the basics have to be there. They said it earlier, life ain't easy. It's hard for all of us. I hate going to the gym. I hate to exercise, but I have to do it. So there are times when you have to push yourself to do that. There was another question. We had a question over here. He, the young man still had a question also, but I'm going to come back to you. So, and also, there are a bunch of young men in here, so I know you all got some things on your mind. So, yeah, it's one over there smiling. Thank you for that. I appreciate it because they've been pretty patient in this room. Good afternoon, everybody. My name is Bertram Gillings. I am, oh, good evening. Forgive me. I'm a, uh, a student success coach with Broward College for first generation uh, college students. I have an incredible set here with us today. I want to thank you and give them a big round of applause. 21 and younger, all searching to get their bachelor's degree. Never had anyone do it before. And that's what kind of touched on my question because Dr. Delvina did a poignant. Uh, to enhance and elevate our community, we need a village, right? But what happens when the village fails us? And what I mean by that is what I see what happens with some of the OGs. I was also raised as a Jamaican parent, loving all the Jamaicans, but, but, um, but my mom never had to speak more than once. And as a coach or as a mentor in the community for 10 years, I've noticed that I've had to like repeat myself or try to remain consistent. And sometimes our OGs will just check out. You know what? You're not listening. I've tried. No, no, no. I'm not saying all OGs. Relax, brother. We all here together. We all here together. It's a conversation. Not OG. Not the word OG. I'm sorry. Oh, this is a hip-hop sign. I'm sorry. It's a hip-hop in my voice. But some of our... I understand language matters. What words matters? What we say matters. Yes, sir. Can I, can I stop? Bill, it's okay. Bill, Bill. Let him finish, please. Let him, let him. Go ahead. Well, what I was just trying to say is that's a prime example right there because I honestly respected everything that he had to say up here when he uh, and I'm very proud that you took that young man in and you helped raise him to become the man that he is today. No, no sarcasm. I mean that honestly. That was the point of my question. What happens when your village fails? You build up trust. 
then inconsistency comes in, and then we have that same kid that said, I did try, but unfortunately, when I did try, I was let down. And now I have to rebuild that trust in them. So you were trying to touch on the point where you're saying we have to come up with the tools to speak the language of the younger generation so we can relate to them and get better on that space. I'm just trying to figure out how can we better relate to that younger generation to make sure that we are being consistent in our message to make sure that we get across. We all try to make them better. That was our, sorry. Yes, yeah, so you. I, I want to say. Thank you. And before you do that, apologies to Mr. Diggs on the OG because we're going to respect everyone in here. So um, he apologizes, Mr. Diggs. So. But I want to say that is, uh, again, going back to my point earlier, is, is super important that, you know, as older people, we speak um, the younger people's language because ultimately we're trying to get a point across to them, right? And so, um, and, and I understand, you know, look, I'm, I'm not that old of a guy, but I remember the first time a young person called me, um, sir, and I was like, who are you talking to? You know what I'm saying? I mean, it was like, but, but I, I get it, and I have to take that role and say, okay, fine, and, and communicate to that person. But then going back to your point about um, the village failing you, on, you know, you have to have great self-love. And that self-love is the reason why you seek the help of the village to begin with, right? So you're asking people, can you help me? Can you help me? Can you help me? Because you do love yourself, right? You never give up on that love for yourself. And you continue to seek uh, other people that can guide you, other people who can give you information. And if, and if you can't find that um, from people, then... You, you source that from other other places. You have to be resourceful. The most important thing here, I think, is that you never give up on yourself. Oh, and, here, Delvin. Delvin, we got one over here. I'm sorry. No, no, he, he's been waiting right oh, here. Okay. Oh, I'm yeah. sorry. Hey, Delvina. I'm coming to the Delvina, back. let me just say something. Sure, go ahead. All right. Right I, here, right I, here. I constantly hear this thing from people we have to learn how to speak their language. Yeah. All right? Jesus. And let me tell you something. From a society that has structure, the children are supposed to learn from the elders. There you go. Okay? You're not supposed to dumb it down for them. They you have to understand. And how we do that is we do that by setting an example of how to be. But then dumbing it down, because here's what happens when you dumb it down and you allow them to speak, and you speak their language, they never change over to yours. They get comfortable yes. with their language. They get comfortable with the way they talk. They get comfortable calling you a certain thing. I remember as a child walking up to, 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 to one of my mother's friends, right? And, and I said, hello. And she said, you don't hello me. It is good morning. And so I was like, and as a child... I, I was taken aback a little bit, but then I understood. And guess what? I understood there would be consequences if I did that. So I was not allowed to change the lingo. I had to adapt to the lingo that what it was. And so when I speak to people, I say, good morning, good afternoon. And that now has transferred. Can I, can I, can I speak? Okay. So, can I, can so, I say something? And so, can I, I think uh, I'm next. Context might matter, but guess what? We don't Hold train on, Bill. people. <laughs> we don't train people for context. We train people for what? You know, for success. I, I want to say. Oh, I want to say because you mentioned consequences. I I was there's there's no consequences for me speaking to that young man, right? 
There's nothing that I can do to that young man. Oh, I'm going to check him? He doesn't care, right? Here's the reality of things. I want to reach... I want to reach him with my message. We're speaking two different languages, right? And if he's and if and if he's not going to learn my language, right? If he's if if he's speaking, you know, Romanian and I'm speaking German, somebody's got to learn the the other person's language. And it's let me and, and, and as and we're gonna as, put a period right okay. there, y'all, because we're gonna do part three in February. I am going to the young man. I okay. want the panel to put a period so we can transition we to period. the next person. All right. In the interest of time, folks, I'm sorry, it's almost ten after. Go ahead. You got a mic. Testing. All right. Good and evening. we have a question back here. This young lady was trying to jump in. Uh, good evening, everyone. I'm in trouble. Um, I just want to say thank you, teacher, to all of you guys for coming uh, coming out here today. Speak a little closer to the mic. You hear me? Yeah. I just want to say thank you to you guys for coming out here tonight. Um, I loved every single word and everything that I heard out here today, and I just wanted to ask. Um, you mentioned us like um, reaching out to you guys and seeking your knowledge. My question is, how do we do that? Because some of us grew up like, for example, I grew up without a father. So, like, how do I seek and learn from you guys? You get my number, question. bro. That's probably the great, greatest question in the world. You you make sure night. you get my number before you bill. Go ahead. I, I, you know, this poem, it says that I'd rather see a sermon any day than to hear one. And 1987, I was 25 years old, and I founded 100 Black Men of South Florida, which was Miami, and then Broward, and then another chapter in Atlanta. I've sent countless kids on to college. Every one of them had to do it our way because we led. Young man, we love you, but you got to understand there are no two ways about this. I'm not OG. I'm Mr. Diggs. And what I mean by that is you must understand the process as a black man in America. You've got to do it my way because I've seen what you're going to see. I'm not here to help you to understand that I'm an OG. I'm not. I am your father. I am the grown man that can take you down this road. And I don't need for me to be able to help you to understand it. You know what I'm saying. You understand it. Where we get it mixed up is when we try to become you, and you need to become me. I am, not in the, I'm, I am not in the process of trying to help you to become younger than you are. I've got gray in my head because I've lived the experience. I need for you to see it my way. And what happens is so many times... We give up to Mike because we believe that this rap culture is any different than the culture that I had as a child growing up. It is not. It is a dangerous way of life. When you don't understand that as a black man, you've got a responsibility, yes, to be the head of your family. You have a responsibility, yes, to be the young lady, to be the man that opens up the door for a young lady. You have a responsibility to wear your clothes in the sense that's going to get you the job that you're going to need until you get your own business. And my point is where we get it screwed up as black men trying to lead you down the road is that we forget our role. Our role is for them to emulate us and not for us to emulate them. How dare we try to get them to the point that we, we're not speaking two languages. I am speaking English as a black man. He ain't speaking Romanian and I'm not speaking Spanish. Let's get it real and let's stop trying to translate what we don't need to. Y'all know how hard it is out here. People are killing you every day. I am not about to help you to understand that I need to be light on you so that you can die one day. I can say, oh, man, but we had a good conversation because I communicated with dog when I got a chance to. 
No, that is not the issue. The issue is that as a black man, I am here to help you to understand that you need to become like me. I am never going to become like you because I know where you need to go. Follow me. What I've got to do is I have to lead the righteous life, walk down the righteous path, and say to you, it is not enough for you to get B's in school because that is an average grade. You not only need to get A's, but you need to make sure that the boys that you're hanging with do. And for those that don't, you don't need to have them in your circle. And let's stop trying to figure out how we're going to save everybody. Let's save those that are worth saving. And for those that are not, get them out of your life. And, for you, and when you have men that don't understand what it is for you to be a man, don't deal with them either. Thank you, Bill. Please give it up for the panel again. Yes. Woo. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. And everybody on one, two, three, say brain love. One, two, three. Thank you so much, guys, for tuning in to another episode of the Brain Love Podcast. This has been a live event, and for some of you listening on the Audible podcast, it is it's live for some of you because now Spotify allows you to have a live um, or a video version of your podcast. So listen, we have a few events coming up. October 8th is a woman's intimate healing. November 6th is part three to the men's mental health panel. And December 4th, Michael Blackson is my special guest, y'all. So join us on the couch for one of these shows. Remember, brain love and follow the DRT Brain Love Foundation on Eventbrite, as well as on social media. Our website is brainlovefoundation.com. Love you. Brain love.